Craft Beer Radio, episode 316, on January 10th, 2015. Welcome, everybody, to Craft Beer Radio, where, uh, why did we pick this song? 30 years ago today, it was the number one song. There you go. Like 30 a years. It's an oldie now. Mm. Uh, the beginning of Reservoir Dogs had some of the best uh, <laughs> description of this yes. song. Yes. So Most of it isn't fit for the main show. <laughs> no. So we are doing a Pilsner show. Yeah, it calls crazy. We're, uh... I looked at what we had and I thought, hey, let's pull out some Pilsners. So we got four. Sounds good to me. Where do you want to start? I think we should start with the KC Pils because they call it an American, uh, a premium American lager. So I don't think it's, you know, on the Bohemian or German side, it's probably more along the classic American Pilsner line. All right. So uh, Boulevard KC Pils has 4.8% alcohol by volume. It is the malts that are used are grainy and light, <laughs> and the hops that are used are moderate bitterness. Now, actually, they have it here. Malts are pale malt, Pilsner, Munich, and Cara Fifty, and the hops are Pearl, Magnum, and Zotz or Saz, however you want to call them. I like Zotz; it sounds cooler. All right, so this is a beer that Dave brought Perlay. when he came from. Uh, Kansas City. Kansas, uh, yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas, actually. But uh, um, it does say on the neck label here, on the, the ink, that it was best by November 22nd. So a little little past its prime. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, this, these, these are... Lagers uh, should be slightly colder than we normally drink. Like, we like mm-hmm. around 60. These probably best around 55 or so. Hmm. Or 50, even. Don't know where our... Thermometer is. Oh, well. It's missing. So we're just going to have to go with it. So it's a golden color with a somewhat, yeah, kind of grainy, a little cereal grainy, a little almost wheat-like in the aroma, even though there's no wheat in here. Yeah, I'm smelling... um, Barley. I don't know. It's a cereal grain... Yeah, I'm getting a bit of a biscuity aroma on it. Okay, yeah. I'm getting some hops too. I'm getting you know, mm-hmm. some of that uh, some of that zots kind of spiciness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the sweetness is the front note, right? But you're you're getting a fair amount of hops to balance it out. But it's not really a, a hop forward aroma. It has a good malt character to it. That biscuity kind of comes through mm-hmm. the flavor as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's nice because I mean that's the main thing I'm noticing. This is going to be a more delicate beer, right? There's not going to be a ton of different things mm-hmm. to dig into, but maybe I'm wrong. But really, it kind of comes in strong with that biscuit flavor, and then you get a little bit of balancing bitterness towards the middle, towards the end, and then maybe a little bit of spiciness uh, from the hops, the hop spiciness. But it's 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 pretty light compared to. I'm not getting so much biscuit as I am kind of like a, a kind of sweet hot dog bread. Okay. Um, hot dog bun type thing. So I'm thinking more along that for the the flavor. But, you know, this is a nice kind of, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still <coughs> recovering a bit from last week and I have some, just a cough. So I'm sorry about that, everybody. But this is, you know, a... a a, a sort of gateway beer, right? This is something that you give to your friend who like Budweiser, and they're probably not mm-hmm. going to like it initially because it has considerably more flavor than it than than the Budweiser mm-hmm. or or Bud Light or whatever they're used to drinking. But it, you know, it, it it can start them on a path. Yeah, as I drink it, I'm, I'm noticing a little bit more of a the estuary character. You know, again, some yeast esters, mm-hmm. um, not like a Belgian beer. But more like, yes. but more like when we were tasting a lot of those Budweiser products back in St. Louis, mm-hmm. right? It always ta- when I'm drinking these lighter beers, it always takes me back to a moment when I realized how much of the yeast yeast esters 
come through in these yeah. years, right? And I never really considered it before that. And this one t- kind of takes me back there, where this one comes back. It, it's the esters are kind of a little bit floral. Yeah, it kind of has a, a, a floral sweetness. It kind of reminded me of sake, a little bit rice like mm-hmm. in terms of of the sweetness and the floral uh, context. So it, it's it's kind of like rose a little bit with a mm-hmm. bit of almost uh, daisy in there too. Maybe just the the very starts of a bubble gum too, just just a very slight hint of it. Yeah, we're we're reaching at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you really do are gonna have to analyze the beer to 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 get it on this level. But it, it you know it essentially is a very drinkable American style lager. That's uh, not you know it's not gonna be pounding you over the head with anything, but that's definitely what they were going for. And you know no flaws in the beer, right? And flaws would be very apparent in a style like this because you'd be able to taste them right away. The the neck label talks about how, you know, this is, they love this town, right? It's called Casey Pills. They uh, donate 10% of the sales of this beer to local charities. Now, one of the reasons I kind of want to do a lager show was because of a t- topic that we wanted to bring up on this show. And that is... Uh, a recent article about Sam Adams that okay. you had some words about, and I thought we could discuss it on the show because it's an interesting topic. Sure. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you saw that I wrote um, some ramblings about it. I put it up on a Google Doc. Greg thought was curious. I used Google Doc, but I didn't have any any other place I could quickly post it, easily post it. Um, I was going to just do it as a Facebook post or a Google Plus post, but there's no formatting, so it it was hard to follow. And Greg might argue it was still hard to follow, but um, so I put it up on a Google Doc, and and I felt that picture that yeah, goes with it. I, I felt that maybe we should talk about the story before I get into my yeah. reply. So uh, Andy Crouch ran a story about how this is in Boston Magazine. Uh, the story is called "Wasted," and uh, the sub. The subheadline is how the craft beer movement abandoned Jim Cook and his beloved Sam Adams. Right. There's a bunch of different things going on in this story. Um, and I kind of, in my reply, just dialed in on a few of them that I had more particular opinions about. Um, I don't even, there's so much going on. I'm not even sure. This is why I didn't want to try to do it just on the show because I didn't. I thought I needed something more thought out, so that's why I took two pen and paper. Well, okay, and let's it. just go overview. I mean, what, what, what's the overall? Well, I guess the overall is that um, craft beer drinkers are not drinking Boston beer, mm-hmm. and in particularly Sam Adams Boston Lager. Right. Here's here's the lead. Jim Cook was pissed off. That's how the article starts yeah. because he was in a a uh, row thirty four very but big even how the even bar, how the, they didn't have any Sam Adams. Yeah, even how the story starts off isn't really. It's kind of a an anecdote to lead into the story, right, but yeah. it's not really the meat of the story. I mean, you know, like they, they he spends a fair amount of time talking about how Jim threw a hissy fit. You know that his beer wasn't there. Uh, I didn't really comment on that kind of stuff at all, right? But it's the... So there's there's kind of two things. Are craft beer drinkers abandoning Sam Adams Boston Lager or not drinking Sam Adams Boston Lager? Yes, very yes. likely, right? I enjoy Boston Lager when I drink it, but it's hardly a go-to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good beer. I have no, nothing to say against it. Um our craft beer. I've abandoned a lot of the beers I, I used to yeah. used to be a standby. I mean, I think like sixty minute used to be a standby for me. Yeah. I don't drink it anymore. So yeah. just just one example. Yeah. So I mean, so there's two things: our craft beer drinkers not drinking enough Boston Lager. Sure, they're not drinking enough Boston Lager compared to what they you know compared to what Jim used to sell. Our, should craft beer drinkers not be drinking Boston Beer Company? And that's kind of where I spent a big portion of my response on it, and that's no. I mean, we've talked on our show where they make damn fine beer. Mm-hmm. It is They put out 50, 60 different brands a year. Nearly all of it is very good, you know, and 
most of our listeners are going to remember when we had the Cosmic Mother Funk Grand Crew on, where both Greg and I were expecting a good Flanders-y sour beer. Mm -hmm. Neither of us were expecting it to be anywhere near the best beer we've ever had. And we've said several times that, you know, it's very well, very likely it's the best beer we've ever had on the show. Uh, It was amazing. And uh, you don't even need that whale, right? I mean, a lot of their Barrel Room series... A lot of their seasonals are all very good. You don't have to have that just one whale. I want to point out that you said we were expecting it to be decent to very good. We weren't expecting it to be exceptional, and maybe that's part of the issue. Well, Sam Adams doesn't have a track record of being exceptional on very many things. I would I would frame least, I would frame it more that's, of that's not the dialogue behind I would frame it more of there's I could I could get a sour beer from a lot of breweries that I wouldn't expect to be exceptional. I would expect it to be good to very good, right? So I mean it's not just Boston beer. Right. Right. And and I'd be lying if I wasn't surprised that the best beer I ever had was from Boston Beer Company. That'd be a lie. You just you don't expect that. You expect it to be from someplace else. But I mean, that's such a high bar. We've had so many beers. We've done over a thousand beers on the show. Maybe fifteen hundred beers on the show. I think it's closer to a thousand. Twelve hundred. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's. Uh, but they make fine beer. I mean, we've talked about their seasonals and barrels mm-hmm. for years now, mm-hmm. and we've implored you to go check them out. If you've written them off. And I go through a little anecdote of how my relationship with Boston Beer has changed over the years, right? I covered some of that. Some people like so, like that part. Um, is the craft beer drinker really their target drinker for Sam Adams Boston Lager? That's my other question. I would say their target for for Boston Lager is is the in betweeners, right? The right the one, but the ones who drink it this bar, where the story starts out, or at Deep Ellum, or you know these or Tornado, or yeah. you know these high end craft beer bars. Now, would Jim say he'd expect those people to drink his beer? He'd say yeah, because he right. would say he'd expect everyone to drink his beer all the time, you know, at least regularly. And uh, but but these are bars where the currency is whales, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah. you're not going to have stuff that you can get virtually anywhere, like you can get Boston Lager now virtually anywhere. You can get right. Boston Lager and whatever seasonal Sam Adams is putting out at the time in almost any bar now. Yeah, but like when the the two quotes they have of the bar owner saying that Sam Adams just puts out middle of the road mediocre beers, have they been trying these beers? Probably not. Right. So, but the the thing is that Sam Adams doesn't make a huge play, as far as I'm aware, and I don't see a lot of TV ads and stuff like that, but as far as I'm aware, they don't make a huge play about all these interesting stuff. But TV ads isn't for the Beer Geek audience. It doesn't doesn't pay to run a commercial on TV for the Beer Geek audience. So, you know, they've been running their Winter Lager commercial on TV, right? And... In my opinion, it's one of their their more it's one of their more mainstream commercials, even compared to a Boston right. Lager commercial. You remember the discussion we had a little bit while ago about large companies and inertia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. And this is, and you said that you didn't think Sam Adams had, you know, a kind of inertia. And I think that this is an example of why they do, because their their big brands are the ones that people are aware of, but they're you know they're discounted. By people, they don't. People see it as less than uh, you know the, the local stuff, and, and sure, sure. And so, because of that, they're less likely to try something different from Sam Adams that they see. Well, I would say I would take what you say and kind of frame it a little bit differently, right? Where when I was composing my reply, I'm not sure how much of this made it into my final draft or not, but it was the Boston. You know, people think Sam Adams has a beer making problem. Where I argue that they don't. They can make the beer. They make good beer. It's a marketing problem in a very narrow segment. It's a marketing to beer geeks that they make beer geek beer, right? 
That's that's where they're weak, I think. From looking at the quotes of the bar owners in these articles, right? They obviously haven't reached those bar owners to let them to convince them that they make beer geek beer. Now I wonder if if part of the problem might also be Jim himself. He's an icon for sure, but uh, you know he's an icon that is noted for how much he loves Boston Lager, uh, and you know how and. and 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 the, this, the the stuff that people generally discount. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the video for Cosmic Mother Funk, and his comment was funky. It wasn't like this is an amazing beer. It was it was almost yeah. like he didn't get why yeah. it was so good. The well, we've seen that before, right? Like talking about putting up West Coast IPAs, right? right? You know, you mentioned the one time a while ago. He said he would never put out a beer like that just to chase the market, right? And this article goes on to mention some of those things. And I can't believe how candid Andy got Jim in this thing. Like mm-hmm. I said in my reply, I'm like, I wonder how pissed Jim is at Andy for pushing some of this stuff. Because, now granted, I know, I bet Andy knows Jim hundreds of times better than I do, right? right? But we've interviewed him a couple of times. We've talked to him a little bit. He may even recognize us. But... Um, Trying, I think he knows who we are, but he probably recognizes their faces. Right. Trying to get him to say something that is not company line. Yeah. Like, trying to be get him to be candid in the littlest bit. I've never been able to even crack that a tiny bit, right? And, you know, in, these, this, in the quotes in the article about how he, you know, his enthusiasm flags when he talks about these West Coast yeah. IPAs they're putting out. And, and then how he won't be in any of the cider commercials and, you know, things like that. I'm like, whoa, I, I just can't believe well, I made I, it out I mean, there. I think we're seeing something that we talk about a lot on the show in, in, in a different context, but it, it, it's applying here. And that's a perception problem, right? I mean... We've talked about how if you don't know what it is you're drinking, if you don't have an idea, you can be led in mm-hmm. very different directions. Um, and the same the same thing happens to you know how your perception of the company and the person mm-hmm. who is the person who is you know the representative of the company is expressing themselves. That can lead to how you perceive not just uh, the company itself, but the products that the company makes. Right. Well, he said if he doesn't like a beer, they won't release it, right? What if he has something against a certain style, right? You know, and that's kind of why they yeah. were late. I don't want to say late to the party, but that's why they held off for so long before putting out West Coast IPAs, right? I don't know. Uh, I think that's about all I have to say on the subject. I don't want to drag it out too long. An interesting story. It, um, I, I, I want to drag it there because I think it's an important story. I think it's I think it's part of the conversation that needs to happen. I think that this is this is a, a more important story than I think you're you're letting on. This is this is something very interesting that's happening to a movement because the craft beer movement is getting large enough to it's getting large enough that it can bifurcate. Right? I mean that that's an, mm-hmm. an issue that. Uh, all of a sudden, the industry itself is now, you know, a large number percent of the market that you can now have people on various different sides of it, as opposed mm-hmm. to when everybody was, you know, small and everyone was just, you know, everyone is great, everyone is great. Now there are movements inside the movement. Mm-hmm. It it leads to questions about these fundamental assertions about what craft beer is. And, and what does it mean? And uh, where is it going? What What is the future? This is just another step on the road to what happens when something gets big. Right. People start to think other people well, are it. sellouts. I mean, you, you just said it. What does craft beer mean, right? Well, it means dozens of things. It means hundreds of things right. to hundreds of different people, right? I mean... In its simplest form, it means good beer, right? But so many companies and so many people tack on additional things. Is it local? Is it independent? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know... Organic. Or, yeah, you know, tons of other things, you know. Is it related to size at all, you know? So all those things. I'm, I'm not trying to just pick on the definition. I'm just trying to think of, like... Because local is not a definition. But, right. you know, a lot of people think local is very important to craft. I like the local aspect of 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 beer you know but 
also like being able to drink stuff that isn't local. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I I discount the local aspect, really, personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with local beer. I love that local beer is available, but I want to try it from all over. I want to keep trying new things. So, to me, the local thing is, is you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm on the other side of the fence. And the fact that there is a fence in here is, is really is kind of part of the story. This story about Boston beer in particular is is a um is is an after effect of what is actual of what the real story is, which is that the market itself is starting to have sub markets of its right. own. That's a good point. If you want to get back to Boston beer, right, and how they need Boston lager to sell, right? Uh, yeah, it's I mean, it is a big company with inertia. It's hard it would be hard to lose volume of Boston Lager and try to replace that with their crafts. I mean, right. their their beer geeks, their beer geek stuff, their beer geek stuff, right? You know, um, stuff that isn't their six main beers, right? The other stuff that you know that beer geeks would appreciate um, more than the six main beers, right. the stuff that they might actually seek out more often, right? Um, and Dogfish Head manages to do that because they manage to put out these, you know, these one-offs, or, you know, or, or mm-hmm. other certain ones like Pangea, that, and they haven't got this stigma attached to them, even though there is something of a, of the same sort of way that people look at the Dogfish. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how big Dogfish is compared to the other ones, but I mean, these, are, you know, these are a lot smaller, right? Yeah. If you get Sierra Nevada and. Um, New Belgium are the best ones to compare to Boston. Probably beer, in right? terms of size, it's just yeah. Dogfish is the closest yeah, in my mind. Sure. That's what I grew up. And with. you know, I oh, argued. In, I argued in my response that you know I think that Boston Beer has done a good job of of accelerating with these new brands, right? Because I feel that them and Sierra Nevada both got caught in the old inertia, and beer geeks were leaving them, right? Mm-hmm. But I think they've done a good job at putting out the beer geek worthy brands, you know, the ones that the beer geeks would be appreciated. That's what I need a term for, you know, the flagship yeah. versus the, the interesting for the geek ones. I, I don't even want to, but does, need... does Sam Adams have a torpedo, right? Does Sam Adams have a, something on his regular line that, that people still look forward to, but torpedo, even Keller Weiss and Ovilia, you know, or Avala, right? I mean, those are all new Sierra Nevada, right? There was a long time where they made pale ale porter. No, no, and stout no. I understand, tor- but know, but what so. I, but I, what I mean is that torpedo is still sought out. Mm-hmm. Even the and Sierra Nevada pale ale to a lesser extent is pale ale gets more credit for people by being sort of you know an IPA before its time. It kind of is an IPA, but they put it out as a pale ale because that was what would sell at that time. Mm-hmm. But you know, people look at. Sierra Nevada, and they're not likely to, to, to pick, you know, Beer Geek's not likely to pick a, a, a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, but if they see Torpedo, they're probably likely to, to, to go for that at least yeah. once. The same Adams have something on, on their line that's similar, and I don't think they do. They have a, a series of IPA. I mean, they got... Right, but, they, but I mean, like, a regular offering. Well, Rebel is supposed or, to be that, right? Yeah. Rebel is supposed to be their West Coast IPA. I like Rebel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people aren't like, oh, the new torpedo is out. You got to try it or you got to age this. They're not like the, the new Rebel IPA is out. The torpedo is kind of a continuous release, right? Right, yeah. But people still look at that, yeah, and they don't look at a Sam Adams beer in the same way, a Sam Adams mass-produced beer in the same way. And that's, I think, part of the issue. Yeah. I wouldn't have marketed Rebel the way they marketed Rebel, but that's just a personal thing for me. It just seems too. It seems too marketing heavy, and that turns me off on the beer itself, right? You know, that, but that's just a personal thing. You know, and I try to put that mm-hmm. aside when I'm talking about the beer itself. But let's have another beer. What okay. Do you say? This is another dear beer that Dave brought back. I think he picked this one up when he was in Indianapolis. He went on a business trip to Indianapolis, picked up some beers. Um, this is actually a beer out of uh, North Carolina. This is uh, Foothills Torch Pilsner. <clears throat> Legend has it that well over a century ago, citizens of Western Bohemia grew so dissatisfied with their beer they dumped it in the streets. So a new style evolved in the city of Pilsen, combining the soft local water with pale malts and earthy zatops, and the Bohemians were pleased. Our Pilsner adheres closely to that original style, cause we like happy, bohe- happy Bohemians. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, 
Foothills is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So this is 5.3% alcohol by volume, 35 IBUs. And that's all the information I have on this one. I stopped by there uh, a bunch of years ago. I was at, in Nashville and I drove through to uh, Raleigh Dorm and had lunch at Winston-Salem. Their, their, their beer, Geekiest Beer, is uh, Sexual Chocolate, mm-hmm. which we had at Saver a couple years ago. But, you know, it's one of those huge release day beers where there's lines around the block and whatnot. So let's uh, discuss the differences between the Bohemian and the German-style Pilsner. I have right now the 2014 beer style guides up. I'll read about a Bohemian style. So straw light amber, toasted biscuit-like bready malt aroma, low level, very low diacetyl and DMS aromas, hop aroma, low to medium low, noble-type hops, slightly sweet malt character, toasted biscuit-like bready malt flavors. Hop flavor should be low to medium low from noble hops. Bitterness is medium. Low levels diacetyl DMS. That sounds a lot like the uh, KC pills that we just had. Yeah. So we'll see what this one does. So the German Pilsner, in comparison, uh, has a hop flavor that's moderate and quite obvious. Mm -hmm. So... The Germans ones are, are sort of the more hoppy pilsners. The Prima Pils would be an example, I think, of a German one, oh. right? Well, yes, but but not anymore. But I mean, it's it's Prima Pils is very very hoppy, right? I mean, yeah. So it 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 be the extreme edge, if right. not beyond it. Um, the aroma on this one started out uh, very floral, and now it's getting more hoppy floral. Like I'm getting a little more greenness to a little more resinous to it not not resiny like like a dank hop or anything but a little more resinous than a flower i noticed that is kind of the the first thing i got on the nose where the last one the malt the biscuity malt was the first thing i got on the nose right Yeah, I'm still not sure about biscuit. Because usually when I think biscuit, I think like a southern biscuit. And, you know, it calls to mind sort of you know, buttermilk bread and stuff like that. And it's a little bit more roasty, a little bit more, I don't know, there's, there's almost a more buttery component. And lack of DMS and other things like that mm-hmm. means that I'm not really getting that in the aroma. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really, I wouldn't pull biscuit on this one. I was just comparing... This one had a floral hop forward aroma. Yeah. Or the KC was the, the biscuit forward for me. Less less of a Zotzi aroma, too. Less spicy on the aroma. A little bit more floral. It's pretty hoppy. Actually, they did use Zotz hops, hops in this. Um, it's pretty hoppy on the flavor. You get this big zing. And... Um, Get a little bit of cracker, mm. like a like mostly not graham cracker, but just like throw in like ten percent graham cracker too, you know. Okay, <coughs> I can sort of see, <laughs> see where you're going with that. So graham cracker that's not very graham crackery, right? Right, not so much of the nutmeg and other whatever spices they put in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty pretty hoppy. I would have expected a little more body, a little more maltiness in the flavor. Yeah, especially since the marketing speak talks so much about how bohemian it was. This one is kind of leaning back towards a crisper German one, right? Right. Yeah. the The, the hops are are pretty strong. They're along the you know, in that continental vibe. A little spicy, a little bit, a little slightly minty. Um, yeah, I like how you I like the minty call, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like mint, but it has this like essence thing. Yeah, it's some sort of mentholated, of, yeah. like little stuff like that. Yeah, resiny, not really piney so much, but I'm trying to figure out other words to describe the mm-hmm. the kind of that zatsi resin. Hmm. See if there's any kind of date on this bottle. You know, when you when you have the ales and 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 the the hops that you're used to, in those you 
you tend to get these fruity things, right? You can get these grapefruits and you get uh, oranges and pith and then mm-hmm. tropical stuff. That's not what you're getting here. You're not you're not getting piney either. So there is a marking on the bottle, but it's kind of stretched out. I might think it was bottled on the 127th day of 2014. So about halfway through the year, right? Mm. So the original, the original Pilsner was Pilsner or Kell. That's the one that started it all when they put it in caves to cool it. And they found that yeast, which is now known as Saccharomyces pistorius. Well, I'm not sure that the original lager is also the original Pilsner, right? I think they probably had lager yeast prior to that. Oh, that's probably true. Well, I don't know. I actually don't know. Pilsner is a modern invention, right? Because of being able to, to kiln the grains without making them darker, right? You know, like pale ale type thing. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh need to do more research before we speak. Mm. On, but I, w- I would wager that there were loggers before Pilsners. There almost has to be. I can't think of what specifically the first logger would be, but... I want, speaking of research, uh, we got a couple of people commenting that uh, Pinner, which we had last time, is uh, a uh, oh, slang yeah. word for a small marijuana joint. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about this because we just did it on the New Year's yeah. show, which we don't really expect anyone to <laughs> listen to. There's been a few people that have said they listened to all five hours of the New Year's Eve show, That's and crazy. we salute you. Yeah, I don't think, we, I don't think either of us... Listen to all five hours while we were there. Um, so yeah, a pinner is a small joint. So that's what... Uh, and they called it a throwback IPA. Yeah. And that was more of not throwback as in historical, but throwback the glass into your throat. You know, a, maybe... A, and throw the bottle back and pour another one, right? I mean, that sort of thing. Well, I thought it more of like closer to chug, but probably just an abstraction of session. Right, mm-hmm. kind of a more punk abstraction of session. Not necessarily they're telling you to chug it, but now they sent us a koozie, right? Mm-hmm. That said, uh, like something like "Let's be blunt." Let's be blunt, or <laughs> "To be blunt," or yeah. So we miss that. A blunt is, of course, a large joint, a cigar-sized <laughs> joint, or it's a joint mixed with tobacco. It depends on. Where you come from, I guess. <laughs> All right, what's next? Let's do uh, let's do the lightning. The lightning. So we had a listener send us some lightning. Um, we did lightning on the show that, that wheat beer right a couple weeks ago, and somehow Lightning Brewing Company caught wind of it and they sent us some more things to try. Awesome. So this is their Elemental Pilsner. Better beer through science is their slogan. I like that slogan. So Lightning is in... Uh, San Diego, right? Yeah, Poway, California. So I think that's close to San Diego. This is 5.6% alcohol by volume. Anything else that I can see about it? Okay. They called a German Pilsner. Oh, you know what? We got some marketing collateral right here. There it is. Probably the same thing you're looking at. Um, North German Pilsner beer. Uh, German noble hops, as you'd expect. European lager yeast. Um, naturally carbonated and oh wait wait wait, wait. this is an interesting little bit here they say we like to view elemental pilsners for ingredients as earth air fire and water so the hops and malt are the earth aspect trapping the carbon dioxide to add the air heat during the brewing process is fire 
and of course they add water. They they boost flavor by brewing like a German brewery and step mashing. Mm-hmm. So basically, they put the milled grain and water mixture through uh, defined temperatures, and then uh, they water to separate the solid grain from the sweet wort. Add hops, bring to a boil, add more hops, continue boiling, etc. Making beer, basically. Finally, after significant aging, they crowds in the newly lagered beer with fresh beer in order to further improve its flavor. Yeah, croissoning is... Uh, Croissant. Yeah, so they're putting wort back in the beer, right? And, uh, you know, so like when we homebrew, right? We mm-hmm. add the corn sugar at bottling time to monocarbonate, right? You could also add wort, right? So if you were a brewery and you happen to have fresh batch of wort around, you could add that in to give the yeast something to ferment. There you go. So that's kind of what natural carbonation is. Uh, you can use croissant to do other things as well, but that's probably how they're using it. Uh, 5.6 ABV, 65 IBUs. Serve in the 40s. So they actually give you a nice wide window for your preference. That's very sweet on the nose. A lot sweeter than I mm-hmm. was expecting. Yeah. Almost smells candy-like. Can I smell yours? Hmm. It's like something I can't quite place. It's almost a bit acetony or acetaldehyde. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering because that sweetness is do, doesn't mm-hmm. smell right. But let's see. Yeah, I mean that's the main thing I'm getting. I'm getting some maltiness behind that. Um, flavor tastes better. I'm not getting any of the. There's something really bubblegummy in here. Okay. Really bubblegummy. Yeah, they got a little bit of wild yeast in there or something. Um, there's some there's hop flavor. Mm-hmm. Get some spiciness to it. Do you taste that though, the bubblegum? See if you a little bit, a little bit. I don't know if you want to. No, I'm not going to share your glass. <laughs> but not antibiotics for five days. I'm really not. Transmitting. Right. Everything's dead. Yeah. By the way, you can drink on antibiotics. There's some you can't, right? There's some you can't. But for most of them, it's really not a problem. Well, mm. as we're tasting this, we should probably uh, bring up our little doohickey that we always do. <laughs> Support us, please. Yes, you guys did really well over the holiday season. You guys are starting out January nearly as strong. Appreciate that. And flutes always come in loud. <laughs> um, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's where you want to go when you start your Amazon shopping session. Every single time, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. It forwards you through to Amazon with our little referral linky tagged on, and it costs you nothing extra. It's almost as convenient as typing in Amazon.com, which is something you should never, ever do. <laughs> and um, that's all you got to do. Just shop until your little heart's content. Um, you want to talk about some Valentine's Day gift, sub- gift yes. suggestions? Uh, my gift suggestion for Valentine's Day is Durex Play Strawberry Flavored Lubricant Gel, 50 milliliters. More of pleasurable, sweet, romantic love experience. Oh, nice, nice. I'm going to go with something a little bit different than that. It's a Pete the Cat, Valentine's Day is cool. So there's a Pete the Cat book. My kids love Pete the Cat. And there's a I Pete think your the kids cat. would also love the strawberry favored lube. <laughs> It's strawberry flavored. It is strawberry flavored. All right. So craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's all you got to do. That's it. Really? That's it. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Thanks for your support. 
All right, so back to the lightning. So, yeah, it smells off. I'm not tasting a ton. I'm going to pour a little bit more here, see if I get more gravy's bubble gum. It, it doesn't taste spoiled so much. It might not. It might taste a little bit wild, like some wild yeast got in there or something. But it doesn't taste spoiled, but it really doesn't compare to the pilsner. Yeah, that we've had it doesn't. So far. It doesn't taste like a, a, any pilsner that I'd recognize. It, it it kind of. I'm trying to think of what's the closest, like sweet lager that would be near to it. Uh, Marks There's bit, almost uh, something a little bit ginny about the flavor. Do you get that at all? No, I'm, I'm thinking you know the closest that I would come is if it had less hops, it might almost you could mistake it for a Hellas. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. I get this like, aftertaste that kind of reminds me of juniper a little bit. No, it doesn't mm. taste like juniper in the thing, but there's kind of this aftertaste that reminds me of a gin. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's not um, not really hitting my fancy, unfortunately. Yeah. Such it is. All right, we'll rinse our glasses out and go on to the next beer. All right, our uh, last pilsner of the night. We may pull another beer out. We'll see. Is Stamtisch from Urban Chestnut? Their German pilsner in their Reverend series. 5.4% alcohol by volume, 35 IBUs, hopped with Hillertal Merker, Hillertal Middlefrö, Hillertal Herzbrucker, and Strissel Spout, <laughs> Strissel Spate. I'm not sure. Pilsner Malt, and this is, uh, this, this beer was sent to us from Urban Chestnut. It's a half liter, half liter bottle, which I don't know how to pour evenly, so you know, <laughs> give me a little time here. My muscle memory is not uh, trained on half liters. Now, there was another interesting story about Urban Chestnut, which is that they are opening a Bavarian brewery. Yeah, so last year they opened... Uh, so we went to their first brewery, a brew pub, yeah. right? It, not a huge brewing area. I mean, they had a few amount of tanks. I mean, it wasn't like a brew pub. It was a, a brewery with a beer garden, but right. it wasn't huge. And then they opened a new larger place in St. Louis. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the neighborhood. And um, they weren't necessarily planning on... Florian, one of, you know, he's from Bavaria. He always wanted to have a brewery in Bavaria. But uh, he wasn't planning on doing it in 2015, but uh, I guess a deal came up he really couldn't let go. So, yeah, they're going to be opening a brewery over in Germany. That's awesome. Good for Florian. So the color is a straw color with a really nice uh, kind of rocky white head. Mm-hmm. This is part of the Reverence series. We talked last time about how they have the Reverence and then the the other one, which is like their American style, right? right? They're... Uh, Revolution series, I think it is. Yeah, Revolution, right. So reverence is yeah the tradition, example, tradition and right. uh, revolution is new stuff, right? So this is you know, this is with the with the head. I'm thinking German Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a lot more of. Um, let me take another sniff. The aroma is more crisp, absolutely, than than some of these other beers we've had tonight, right? Where I'm getting a couple things. I'm getting the the hopping is how do I want to describe this? The hopping is almost like a, almost straw like, where that's not a, an adjective I use very often with hops, right? But you know. Imagine taking your hops, but, you know, bending them towards a straw-type aroma. You know, that's what I'm getting on the hops. And then the the malt. Let me take another sniff here. Interesting take. I, I'm not sure where to go, so, okay. you know, go with, go with your gut here. It, it smells... I mean, there's no zatsum here, so it doesn't have that, mm-hmm. that spice... You know, right. sort of upfront spicy note that Zotz has. 
Um, I'm not really familiar with Strissel Spalt. I think I've, we've had them before, but I'm not yeah, super familiar a, with the hop. Yeah, I'm a, I couldn't really name its characteristics off the top of my head. I mean, it's it's still a noble hop, I'm pretty right. sure, but it's not, you know, one of the main ones. Yeah, I'm familiar with the with Hiller Town, mostly Hiller Hiller Town, mm-hmm. uh, Middlefro, which is right most of them. But then there's Merker and Herzbrucker as well in this beer. Hops very, really come through the flavor. The hops really come through the flavor, but it's also very nicely balanced. I think that there's the hops aren't spiking, mm-hmm. right? They're not like they're not. Mm-hmm. It's not like a spike on a graph. It it's there. <coughs> it's the front of the flavor, but then the malt is giving it a really nice backbone, a really mm-hmm. nice stage for the hops to be on, and that malt is. Hmm. Almost, almost muffin-like. Hmm. I, I would say that this one. No, I've been on a biscuit kick tonight, right? Yeah. And this one is a little more Italian bready. Um, it has some biscuit, but you know, it's also blended with some Italian bread type okay. character for me. I think like unsweetened muffin, like it. That's kind of where I'm going with it. I, I, I first thought bagel, but. Not as sweet. Ended up in muffin. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the hopping is definitely interesting here. Uh, it's not exactly yeah. like anything it's, I'm used it's to. It's not right drastic, here. right? It's not. It, it it's it's a reserved kind of overtness to it. it it's there. It, it's up front, but it's not chewing you and it's not saying you know here is our big hop edition it's like there it is on top of the malt it's like the frosting on top of the cake right i'm still getting that straw type character i'm getting a little bit of like i want to say like grapevine or something like that Hmm. um and it's kind of bending through a couple of different flavors. It, it's really, it's really the thing that I'm finding fascinating and trying to figure yeah. out. Yeah, there's there's a little kind of like a roast potato in there. There's hmm, there's some interesting like vegetable notes that it that it moves through. Interesting kind of root vegetable things. Thinking a little bit of even like parsnip. I'm I'm tasting various. You know, I'm going through that more like cellulose type thing, right, with the straw and the grapevine, and now I'm coming to like the woody part of an artichoke or something like that. Right, right, yeah. I can see that there. There is. Hmm. And uh, I don't really want that to sound like it's bad things. It's just no, no, no. It's, nuances, it's, it, right? You know, you know? It, it's it's how we it's how we roll. Yeah. We we. we we find different things. I'm even tasting a little potato chip in here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, who knows? A, a little bit of of of, of peanut, um, not not the peanut fruit itself, but the the um, the outside of the peanut, the shell, a little peanut shell in there too. Really interesting take. Has a lot of dimensions to it, which I like. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably about good. You want to do rankings? Sure. All right. So let's see. Starting from the bottom, I'm going to have to put the lightning in last place. I, I think there was something uh, a little bit off in that bottle. If not, it just didn't really compare as an, a Pilsner compared to the other ones. In third place, I'm going to put the Torch Pilsner from uh, Foothills Brewing Company. I enjoyed it. It didn't quite have the same um, crispness that the other two had, and, and you know, in these pilsers, I, I like a, a good mm-hmm. crispness to it. And I'm going to put 
top two are pretty tight. I think I'm going to put the Casey Pills in second place. I, I really enjoyed that one. But the reason the Urban Chestnut's going to take the top spot is just because I find the hops fascinating in this one. It's giving me all kinds of interesting flavors of hops you normally don't come across. Uh, or at least the flavors you normally don't come across. And I just think it's a very well put together beer. Okay, I am going to slightly disagree with... Um with your rankings, but only only just. My last place is, again, the Lightning. It's, like I said, I mean, it, it, it felt more like a hoppy, uh, uh, hoppy Hellas than anything else. I don't know whether that was an infection or intentional, because it didn't taste like an infection. Right? It didn't have, you know, those notes that... Uh, were definitely infection notes, but it just was not definitely. Yeah, and it didn't have the the weird carbonation like you get from right. a, uh, the infections that typically fill the beer with acetaldehyde or acetone um, type flavors. Um, yeah, flavor was cleaner, but there's still a little bit of that bubble gumminess, right? Yeah. And, and some other things didn't seem so. Maybe it was a, a not maybe a little bit of the Revitzen yeast cut into the beer or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Um. The my number three is going to be the KC Pills. I I thought it was a, a very decent beer, but I think the other two just had more character to them, right. you know, and and uh, so that they get in front of it because of that. Uh, the Foothills Torch is second for me. I you know liked the um, the the hop uh, forwardness of it. And while well, yeah, it probably wasn't as crisp, but I don't know, it just it 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 hit me in the right place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I, I was fighting between that and the urban chestnut because I think in, in some ways I kind of I kind of was more overall satisfied by the torch, but the urban chestnut gave me so much to think and, and analyze that that that's worth it almost more because you, right. you get. It's a, instead of just satiating some sort of immediate thing, you actually get to really you know ponder something. I mean, I agree with you, except replace the torch with the KC, right? Mm-hmm. I thought the KC was a great drinker. It was very satisfying. It was, I thought it was a quality Pilsner. Right. Um, and it could have easily taken the top spot, but, you know, I just like the... It's ponderous, man. It's freaking ponderous. I like how you can really think about the urban chestnut. And and I really like the hop combinations. It's like I said, it's, it's giving me these woody flavors that I'm not used to. And I'm enjoying thinking about them and figuring them out. So, so that's where we are. So that ends another episode of Craft Your Radio. Got a little bit of metal-like version here. This is from Shock Treatment is the name of the band. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you would like to email us, you can hit us up at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And if you want to hit us up on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. We have at Craft Beer Radio. And uh, that's really the best ways this to contact us. This album was called Dark Side of the Tune. Get it? Ha ha ha. Yeah. Okay, join us in the post-show for Amazon Anonymous and all the other stuff that we do. Heartbeats next to my... Jeff loves his metal. I used to like metal. I don't listen to it too much anymore. <laughs>